Today's episode is brought to you by Canva. Uh, We're all looking for ways to make an impact at work, but not all of us are skilled in visual design. A Canva helps you get your point across uh, simply and beautifully. It's easy to design Canva presentations, docs, whiteboards, and videos. You start with a designer-made template and customize it with your content. Uh, plus, add graphics, charts, and more from Canva's massive media library. Whatever department you work in, Canva is perfect for any task. Sales decks, hiring docs, marketing brainstorms, employee videos, you name it. Anyone at work can design with Canva. Start designing today at canva.com. Designed for work. This episode is brought to you by Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, and hears from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more with the help of AI. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up? This is your boy, Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse, Back to Black, directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R, under 17, not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house. And I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Welcome to BrainStuff, a production of iHeartRadio. Hey, BrainStuff, Lauren Vogelbaum here. Located on the wall of Milan's Convent of Santa Maria della Grazia, is a work of art that's considered by many to be one of the greatest artistic masterpieces of all time, Leonardo da Vinci's The Last Supper. But da Vinci wasn't exactly stoked about it when the Duke of Milan commissioned the piece in 1494. We spoke with art historian Ross King, the author of several books on Italian, French, and Canadian art history. He said Leonardo did not want to paint The Last Supper. Instead, he wanted to do a gigantic bronze equestrian moment, a monumental work that would certainly have made him famous. But the outbreak of war in 1494 meant he couldn't do his bronze horse. So, as compensation, he was given the task of painting a wall in a room where a band of friars ate their dinner every day. He had never painted on such a large scale. Having little experience in such a difficult task, it's not surprising that he complained bitterly about the commission, at which it was entirely possible that he would fail miserably. 
Happily, the story turned out otherwise. What resulted from da Vinci's hesitant participation is a mural that famously depicts the Last Supper of Jesus Christ with his apostles on the day before his crucifixion. The scene is based on the description in the Gospel of John 13.21, and da Vinci intended to convey the reactions of Jesus' disciples the moment that they learned that one of them would betray him. King says da Vinci's The Last Supper is particularly important for a variety of reasons, perhaps most of all for its elevation of the artist to celebrity status. He said, its completion marks the moment when Leonardo, then in his mid-40s, finally created what he called a work of fame. It's amazing to think that before The Last Supper, Leonardo had achieved very little. Had he died in, say, 1492 when he was 40, he would have been little more than a footnote in art history, known as someone who showed enormous promise but never delivered the goods. But with The Last Supper, he delivered spectacularly. Without having created The Last Supper, he probably would never have received his later commissions, including the Mona Lisa. So the work was absolutely crucial, not only to the history of art, but also to his own career. One special feature of The Last Supper is its sheer size. Approximately 15 by 29 feet, that's four and a half meters by about 8.8 meters. King said, no one else in history had ever created such a large painting with such a great level of realistic detail, as well as with such believable emotions and dramatic expressions. No one who painted a Last Supper in the centuries afterward could do so without an eye on Leonardo's masterpiece. Da Vinci opted to portray one pivotal moment in the scene, the instant just before the creation of the Eucharist, or Holy Communion, when, according to the Bible, verses Corinthians 11.23-26, to Jesus reaches for the bread and wine and tells the apostles that they represent his body and blood to be consumed in remembrance of him. Da Vinci's notebooks are key to who the key players are in the painting, although experts still argue over some of the details. In one group, Bartholomew, James, and Andrew sit together and look genuinely shocked at what Jesus has just revealed. In another group, there's Judas, Peter, and John. Judas, the known betrayer, has a lot going on. He's fading into the background a bit, he's holding a bag of money, and he's knocking over a salt shaker, which experts say is meant to symbolize the expression tipping over the salt which means betraying one's master. Jesus sits in the middle of the group, and on his other side are Apostle Thomas, James the Greater, and Philip, then Matthew, Jude, and Simon. The symmetry of the figures and eye-pleasing use of perspective are signature da Vinci, but there are tons of details that art scholars continue to debate and dissect. Take the fish on the table, for example. Is it herring or eel? In Italian, the word eel is aringa, which might be a sort of pun on the word aringa, with two R's, meaning indoctrination. However, the word herring in Northern Italian is ringa, also meaning one who denies religion. But the content and composition of the Last Supper aren't the only reasons why the painting remains legendary. King explained, it has a very sad history. The paint began flaking from the wall because of a perfect storm of bad climatic conditions in the refectory, mainly cold and damp. That might not have been such a problem had Leonardo worked in the true fresco technique, which makes for very durable paintings. But he devised a method of his own that involved painting in oil and tempera on a dry wall, something artists were discouraged from doing. His technique, unsurprisingly, did not prove successful. Due to da Vinci's ill-advised choices and the poor custodianship in the centuries that followed the creation of the painting, the Last Supper started to look rough. And then things got worse. 
King said the work was insensitively restored by conservators who didn't know what they were doing and caused more harm than good. In 1652, in a kind of act of vandalism, the friars from the convent knocked a hole in the wall, amputating Christ's feet to create a doorway through the painting. The refectory flooded in the 19th century, and Napoleon used the building as a stable, which meant it was filled with horses and manure. Then, during World War II, it barely survived a bomb that destroyed much of the refectory. The fact that we still have it to enjoy is little short of miraculous. Today's episode was written by Michelle Konstantinovsky and produced by Tyler Klang. For more on this and lots of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. BrainStuff is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play.